Where were you when the news broke that Nick Saban is retiring at the age of 72 after seven national championships? Tell you what, we were right here in this studio as soon as that news broke and got you an instant reaction. Today's show, man, is dedicated to the GOAT. Because when it comes to college football, I don't know that you can point to someone who has been more impactful on this sport than Nick Saban. So we got a lot to jump into here. It is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Today on the docket, you're going to see a lot of things that seem Alabama-themed. And to a degree, they are. Like, we got to talk about now, I believe, the greatest opening, the most attractive opening in all of not just college football, but sports. But this, this opening, this hire, rather, this retirement of Nick Saban, is one that's going to probably impact your favorite school. So if you are a Tennessee fan, you're a Georgia fan, you're a Florida State fan, you're a Washington fan, we're still going to, in a tangential way, if, if that verbiage works there, we're still going to essentially refer to your football program. We're very glad to have you all here. Like I mentioned, we got to talk about who could be next to Alabama. Because I don't think anybody outside of maybe Jim Harbaugh and potentially Kirby Smart is off the table. I think with Alabama, with as big a stick as they are swinging right now, with the resources, with the roster, with what Nick Saban is leaving behind to Alabama, I think that is, again, the most attractive job, not just in college football, but all of sports. And now that the question has to be asked, what's, what's, uh, what's next for Alabama? And I'm not talking about when it comes to the head coaching position. I'm talking about what they're capable of in 2024. And I understand now there's a lot that's going to happen here from the, the second signing period. And then Alabama players also have a 30-day window now with the retirement of Nick Saban to enter the transfer portal. When you look at 2024 from a broad strokes perspective, what should you expect from Alabama when they kick off next season? We'll talk about that and our expectations for Bama in-house. And then also, I want us to kind of do this exercise together of who wouldn't make sense for this job? Because I think there's a lot of names being thrown out there. And I want to do our very best as we can to try and whittle down from where we're sitting, at least, the potential uh, suspects, if you will, to who could fill that job. Greg Byrne, athletic director for Alabama, he said he wants to have the next hire for the Crimson Tide in 72 hours. I don't think you, you put a timeline on yourself unless you feel pretty good about the cards that you have in hand. Again, we're glad to have you here. This is the hard count. We talk college football every single day, national college football all year long, right here on this show, the hard count on this platform, the On3 YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on here. As soon as they make a hire, I promise you, we will have an instant reaction. We will have thoughts. We will have feedback for you. And we want to hear from y'all. So a great way for us to hear from y'all. Yes, the live chat, it's a phenomenal tool. But right now, we check the social channels pretty frequently. So at Jody Pacquel. Twitter, Instagram, the best spot for us to interact when we're not live in living color on the air. So let's get right to it, man. Let's talk about this. The greatest of all time, Nick Saban, has retired at the age of 72 after seven national championships. I want to be very clear. There's a lot being said right now about as to why he retired and the different reasons that went into that. Spoke to somebody close to Alabama this morning. What I was told is right now there is nothing concrete. So to put it simply, everything that we're hearing right now is just purely speculation. And uh, everyone was surprised by this is what I was told. Nick Saban told everyone in a team meeting. He worked all the way up until that team meeting. Like it, it, there wasn't this thing where, okay, Nick Saban wasn't at his typical you know, spot at his desk at you know, X time in the morning. Like He worked all the way until this team meeting. 
told everyone, and this was obviously a, a shocker to a lot of people. Um, now, barring any other reason that has not yet been concretely reported, like barring anything that would be personal or otherwise, from where I'm sitting, I think this is just the GOAT going out on his own terms. And we said that in a reaction video yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Like, he has nothing left to prove. Nothing left to prove. There's, there's some thought of, well, Nick Saban kind of lost a step. I, I don't see that from where I'm sitting. Because last year, they lost by double digits in Tuscaloosa. We were there. They lost to a better Texas football team in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Took that loss. Bounced back won the SEC over a Georgia team that had won 29 in a row, and then they made the college football playoff. So given that sample size, I think that was one of, if not his very best coaching job to this point in his career. If he wanted to run it back for next year, his team would have been in contention yet again for an SEC championship. And when an expanded college football playoff model goes into practice this upcoming year, have to believe Alabama would have been pretty comfortably in that thing, whether they won the SEC or not. So if he wanted to win another national championship, I think that would have very much so been accomplishable. But again, greatest of all time, nothing left to prove. What he's done in this game, like I don't think he has anything left that he needs to accomplish to warrant when he wanted to retire. Again, he's 72 years old. The thing that's so impressive about Nick Saban, one of the things that I think makes him the greatest of all time, yes, he got the seven national championships, six at Alabama, one at LSU, has had an illustrious coaching career from a resume standpoint. But I think the timeline in which he's done those things, because think about this, the way college football has changed since Nick Saban got into college football and to where it is now, he's been a constant in that. He's continued to adapt. And the thing here, he's had a lot of success throughout his career and a lot of times you see people have success and they kind of put the blinders on and say okay my way is the right way and my way works it, it works for these results I'm sticking to my way and Nick Saban yes he's had core principles and internal standards that he's held Alabama to that's why you see them have the draft picks they have but I think the fact that he's been open to adapting to the way that college football has changed is why he is successful as he has been there was a point in time we talked about it yesterday where Alabama, you know, was pretty much dominating the trenches. That was how you won national championships. And Alabama won their fair, fair share of national championships with Nick Saban. But then the game starts to shift a little bit to favoring up-tempo offenses and a little bit more of a space and pace kind of style of play. So what does Nick Saban do? He doesn't say, no, my way worked. He doesn't say, no, we, we won in the trenches, so we got to keep winning in the trenches. He says, okay, I see the game adapting. Let me go recruit a quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa. Let me go and hire offensive coordinators like Elaine Kiffin and a Steve Sarkeesian. And they go and have success that way. He was never just closed-minded to his principles and to how he does things. And the reason why they were as successful as they were at Alabama and everywhere that Saban went is because of his willingness to change and to adapt. And I heard Reese Davis make this same point, and I think he's exactly on the money. Whether Saban agreed with where college football was going or not, he was still more than willing to adapt if it was best for his football team. Like how he felt about NIL or the transfer portal or whatever didn't matter because he was like, okay, if this is where we're going, I'm going to adapt and do it better than you. <laughs> like we saw that with the transfer portal. It's, it's kind of shifting more to a college football free agency model. He's like, hey, I think we need more regulation with NIL and we, we need more regulation with the portal. But if you want to go this way, all right, we'll go get Jameer Gibbs. All right, we'll go get Jermaine Burton. He dominated college football's changes, I think, as well as anybody else 
in the history of the sport. NIL, we need more regulation, but if that's how we're going to do it, we'll crush NIL too. And as much as he was willing to adapt, just like I said earlier, he never compromised. There was never this drinking my own Kool-Aid kind of feel with him. It was, okay, we know what works here from an internal standards you know, standpoint, and that in itself speaks for itself. So the scheme's going to change. The way that we do things is going to change from a, a, a roster assembling kind of standpoint. But like he's never going to just sit back and say, okay, we can, we can take our foot off the gas. Never compromised in who he was. Never compromised in how he ran his football program. And I think the fact that there were so many changes around him, and he adapted, but he was also at the exact same time the constant for success at Alabama. Like, those seven national championships are impressive. But you look at the different staffs, look at the different personnel. How many coaches have we seen over the course of history not fall off, but maybe not have sustained success as soon as they lost that all-star coordinator to a head coaching job somewhere else? It felt like every other year Nick Saban had a different OC or a different DC. And still, Alabama was Alabama. That in itself, I think, points as clear as day to the greatness of Nick Saban and what he was. He attracted greatness. He attracted guys that wanted to do things his way. And if they didn't want to do things his way, he eventually got them on board with doing things his way. Player development for him also is, I mean, second to none. 49 first-round draft picks from the college football playoff to the BCS. However college football changed, he continued to develop and, and equip his players for success in life and at the next level. So I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. There will never be another Nick Saban. Him retiring yesterday was the end of a very special and impactful chapter in college football. And for all of us that got to experience it, whether you saw him on television broadcast on Saturdays, whether you went to games in person every Saturday in Tuscaloosa, however you got to witness Nick Saban, we all witnessed greatness. We all witnessed greatness together. So Nick Saban, again, there will never be another. And college football well, I'm sure we'll, we'll somehow still be relative to Nick Saban in some way, shape, or form. I hope he does television on us. I think it'd be great on television. But college football uh, without Nick Saban will, uh, will never be the same. And I think college football, because of Nick Saban, was greatly impacted for the better. Hey, appreciate everybody tuned in live. Make sure you like the video while you're here. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. We got a lot to jump into here. Greg Burns says he's got 72 hours, more or less, is when he's expecting to make the next hire for Alabama's next head coach. So there's a there's a lot to unpack with that. But again, regardless, we will have an immediate reaction for you as soon as we get a hire from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But again, per report, Greg Byrne told Alabama players that he wants to find Saban's replacement in 72 hours. So we have to sort of ask this question to ourselves right now. Who could be next? I said it before and I'll say it again during this live show, man. Like, I don't think you put a timeline on yourself the way that Greg Byrne did if you don't feel like you're sitting on a winning hand in Tuscaloosa. And he, he mentioned in a statement, like the ideal candidate for Alabama will be someone who's a strong recruiter, relationship builder, uh, specializes in player development, and uh, has the ability to lead this historic program forward at Alabama. Now, he spelled program with an A. I think that was a typo. I'm pretty sure he meant to say program. But regardless, um, I understand that pressure was probably put, it, put out pretty quickly there. Um, now, again, Here's my opinion on this whole thing. I don't know this to be true, but for Greg Byrne, one, the timeline thing points to him having a pretty good gauge for who he wants to go after. But on top of that, I said everyone was shocked by this because I think there was a fair amount of surprise. 
But to the exact same token, like if you're Greg Byrne, with him working with Nick Saban for around seven years, I think there was probably an anticipatory aspect of this to him. Like if you're in a relationship with somebody, you understand the habits of your partner. You understand kind of the trends of your partner. Like my wife knows when, when I'm getting hungry. Why? Because it's a sequence of events and I haven't eaten all day. Nick Saban, 72 years old. It was a matter of time before he started to approach the idea of retirement. So if you're Greg Byrne, if you're good at your job, if you're good at working in tandem with somebody, you kind of keep an eye on what that next move could be. Great leaders are always a step ahead. And I think Greg Byrne is a great leader. And I think he was in some way, shape or form, at least keeping a side eye to what could be next to Alabama and what could be the next thing for them as it pertains to who could be the next head coach. So all I'm trying to say here is, I don't know that there was irons in the fire already or conversations being had, but I do think it was kind of a peripheral peripheral eye on what that next thing could be after Nick Saban, again, with him being 72 years old and um, all the success he's already had at Alabama. So when we talk about who could be next for Alabama as it pertains to their next head coach, I want to make sure we say this. Everyone is on the table. Everyone in the game of football is a prospect, I believe, to be the next to be the next head coach of Alabama. Why? Because it's the one the greatest job in sports right now. I firmly believe that in terms of the next or the greatest open job right now in sports. Um, anybody not named Jim Harbaugh or Kirby Smart, I think, is a prospect. And there's sort of this thought out there, and it's probably a bit of a hotter take that, you know, do you, do you really want to be the guy to follow Nick Saban? Do you really want to be the the next one to follow the goat? And I hear the logic behind that, but at the exact same time, like, don't you want to be the next guy after Nick Saban? by nature of what he's left in Tuscaloosa. That's a roster made up of top two classes, a bunch of guys that have been with Nick Saban that understand an elite culture, and the resources at Alabama are second to none. The support of Alabama, I believe, are second to none. So would you rather take the job right now, or would you take the job in a couple of years if you know the guy after Nick Saban kind of you know didn't necessarily drive the car how you would have hoped he would drive the car if you're Greg Burney, you take over a lesser Alabama and have to build it back up. The potential of Alabama will always be there by nature of that script day and by nature of Greg Byrne being good at his job. But again, I don't think Alabama will be in a more ready-made position to succeed if the next guy doesn't work out and you take the job after the guy, after the guy who followed Nick Saban. So I understand the logic there, but I, I have a hard time getting on board with that. Now, the next name that I think we have to talk about, and I don't know how much traction this is going to have. Again, this is, I think, is uh, very much so a wide-open thing when it comes to who could be the next head coach at Bama. Steve Sarkeesian, to me, makes a ton of sense. And he's been around Saban, was an OC for a national championship run. The reason why that's important, he understands the process. So if you're Greg Byrne and you want to hire someone that can kind of keep the the culture and, and the the character of Alabama sort of cruising where it's at. I think Steve Sarkeesian has an understanding of how to do that. Uh, the development factor that he brings to the table as well. Also something Greg Burns citing in, in what he wants in the next head coach. The development that Steve Sarkeesian has had of his players at Texas, I think it speaks for itself. I mean, Xavier Worthy came in as a top recruit. He's going to leave and I think be a top two-round draft pick, maybe a top one-round draft pick. Uh, Tavondre Sweat came to Texas as a three-star recruit. He's also going to leave being a top draft pick this upcoming season. Adonai Mitchell was good at Georgia, really blossomed at Texas. So what I'm trying to say here is the development factor for Steve Sarkeesian, he has totally dismissed the narrative of Texas doesn't develop. That's no longer the case by nature of what Steve Sarkeesian and his staff has done. Um, 
Greg Byrne also cited the desire to have someone who is a, is a great X's and O's guy. Steve Sarkeesian is a artiste when it comes to what he does with the playbook. So that box is checked with flying colors. Dog of a recruiter as well. He's going to have more than likely two top three classes in Tus- or in uh, at Texas and would bring that to Tuscaloosa, you'd have to imagine, when he gets to Alabama, if he's the next guy, like he would be a great recruiter as well. The question I think a lot of people have is the same one they had for Dan Lanning. Would you leave a place that's already up and running, that you've already done the legwork to get to being one of the best programs in college football? Texas has the resources too. Texas has the brand power too. My question here goes a little bit deeper for Steve Sarkeesian because he's spoken many times about how, hey, listen, there was a point in my career where I was down bad and I couldn't even get at interview places. And Saban brought me on and took me on to the staff. I wonder how much you can quantify that in terms of how much allegiance maybe he feels to be the next guy at Alabama. Now, again, that's purely speculation. I'm not speaking with authority, but the way that he talks about his admiration for Nick Saban and his gratitude for what he did for him at Alabama, I think it's an interesting thought. So, again, we'll see what happens there, but those two guys, I think, for me, are the, are the top two that I would look at if I were an Alabama fan. Now, moving on forward here, uh, talking about a head coaching vacancy in college football. I was talking with Josh Newberg this morning about this bombshell of a story we got right now when it comes to who could be the next guy at Alabama. And uh, to me, and, and Josh agreed with this, head coaching vacancies in college football are a lot like murder mystery parties. And what I mean by that is, more often than not, the prime suspect that the plot suggests, the reports that are usually swirling around, hey, this guy is the right guy, he's the front runner, typically that's not the one who ends up getting the job. Now, that may not be the case with Alabama because of how big of a stick they are swinging with potentially you know, being able to hire the next head coach. But we find that more often than not, when it comes to hiring head coaches in college football, a lot of the times it's the butler. It's the name that was kind of third and fourth on the hot board, or maybe not on the hot board at all, that ended up being the guy that ended up being the next head coach, or in the murder mystery metaphor, being the one who done it. So Mike Norvell is a name that ends up on the hot boards. Um, the thing with him, no obvious Alabama tie. He's a program builder, though. Again, I say program with a U. Florida State was in shambles. He got him to be undefeated to win the ACC and probably for a lot of people's opinions outside of the good folks in Alabama, uh, probably had Florida State on the brink of making the college football playoff. Uh, Memphis took him to New Year's Six Bowl as a head coach there. Also worth noting, he has a $4 million buyout. Dan Lanning's buyout is $20 million. I'm not great with numbers, but $4 million is a lot less than $20 million, So take of that as you will. I also would say, like, who knows what's going on with the ACC? I don't think that the situation in their conference right now lends any favors to Florida State in terms of keeping a guy like Mike Norvell there. He's also on the cutting edge of college football, and that's something that I would really pay attention to if I'm an Alabama fan when it comes to assessing Mike Norvell. Look at the way that he's built Florida State back up. Yes, right now they're recruiting well, but it wasn't always that way. Mike Norvell and his staff killed it in the transfer portal. And we see the way that college football is starting to trend more and more towards a professional model. Free agency is pretty much the verbiage you can use when it comes to the transfer portal. Florida State, you can go down the list here and talk about top guys that got through the portal that made a significant impact for them and contributed to their undefeated season this past year. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, Fentrell Cypress, like they have crushed it on the portal side of things. If you take that to Alabama, 
I would feel pretty encouraged as an Alabama fan because you already know the brand in itself will recruit. You see Mike Ravel currently right now at Florida State recruiting. So it's not a question of can he recruit, but in terms of acquiring top talent, dude knocks it out of the park. Now, another name here that was on the hot boards for on three's very own Andy Staples and ESPN's Pete Thamel, Marcus Freeman, head coach of Notre Dame. I think he's interesting. Now, I have no idea if he wants to leave. Whenever you hear him talk about his program, he talks about Notre Dame and, and wanting to you know, build a strong foundation there and do great things for years to come. The thing that's intriguing to me about Marcus Freeman, he's a long-term hire, 38 years old, similar to Dan Lanning. He has done more at Notre Dame with greater obstacles, because we understand this now, like Notre Dame, it's a, it's a smart guy school. It is, like there, there is high academic standards there, which makes it a little bit more difficult to recruit at the level of some other schools with lesser academic standards. Even with that being said, Notre Dame is set to do now three top 10 classes in a row under Marcus Freeman, all right? So he's been able to acquire top talent at a place where it's more difficult to acquire top talent than it is other, otherwise uh, across the country. Also, this is the thing that's probably the most intriguing to me about Marcus Freeman. Uh, he's an envelope pusher. And what I mean by that is you think about Nick Saban. He's a guy who, you know, never settles, never settles for, you know, the silver medals of things in life. Like he's always going after the very best. Marcus Freeman, I think, is cut from that exact same cloth. The way he's acquired quarterbacks view the portal, Sam Hartman and now Riley Leonard. The way they went and hired their OC this past year with Mike Denbrock from LSU. Like, he's a guy that just continues to strive for greatness. And he hasn't reached it just yet at Notre Dame. But I think if you're going to go ahead and buy stock in somebody, I think that Marcus Freeman's stock is booming whether he goes to Alabama or not. That, to me, is intriguing. Now, here's the most, uh, most out of left field hire. And this actually, fittingly enough, doesn't have a name on it. Uh, an NFL guy. Now, again, I have no idea who that would be. But you would have to imagine this will be attractive to coaches of all levels. And I think it would just take the right guy who probably wants to get to college, who wants to work with, you know, the youth, if you will, but who understands the value of the Alabama job, who understands, hey, this is currently the best job in football available. This isn't coming around probably for a long time if, if Greg Byrne makes the hire he wants to make here. Just keep an eye on that. The pedigree there, I think, is interesting. I think it's... Uh, it would take a personal fit, but I think the NFL is certainly intriguing when you look at who could be next at Alabama. So get at me on Twitter, get at me on Instagram, at J.D. Paquel. Let me know who you want to see as the next head coach in Tuscaloosa. Hey, great crowd tuned in right now live. We appreciate y'all being dialed in. Make sure you hit that little thumbs up button under the, under the video for us. We would appreciate that tremendously. Helps us do more of what you want to see. And uh, yeah, we got a lot here to talk about here going forward for Alabama. Before we move on, let's bring on an Alabama graduate from Tuscaloosa. Well, I know from, not from Tuscaloosa, from the southeast region of the United States, but went to Alabama, pulling up the mic right now, Trey Anity. Trey, we, we were together when this news broke, or I guess shortly after this news broke. You're an Alabama alum. Just talk me through the emotions today, the, the personal emotions for you on the day after Nick Saban's retirement. Well, you know, as uh, like you said, JD, an Alabama alum, um, this one stings a little bit. I don't think that uh, anybody thought that this was going to be a surprise if Nick Saban hung it up within the next, you know, five, even 10 years, I think was uh, on the longer side of that. I don't think anybody uh, knew that it was going to come this week. Um, you know, we had a conversation this morning, JD. I'm a little bit surprised this didn't happen after 
uh, the second signing day, you know, to get this class yeah. official for 2024, set somebody else up. Um, but what I will say here, I think Nick Saban's going to have, uh, you know, a pretty good market share in this decision of who is next. And, mm. um, you know, real quick, J.D., just the, the impact that Nick Saban has had, not only on the University of Alabama, but the community of Tuscaloosa. I got there in 2017, um, you know, and it's West Alabama. It's a smaller town, but um, one person. Nick Saban built it into, you know, a mega city uh, in a way for Alabama. So, um, you know, the, the things that he did for the city of Tuscaloosa, the University of Alabama, the game of college football, uh, I don't think it, it can be summed up in, um, you know, a few sentences. So this is a, a wild day, J.D., but appreciate everybody for tuning into our coverage yesterday, our coverage today. We're going to have much more as this continues to unfold here. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you cannot tell the story of not just Alabama football, but like college football without mentioning Nick Saban. Also worth noting, uh, Bama Online, our Alabama On3 site, just crushing all the coverage, all the intel. They will have it first on their message board, Tim Watts and the team. Again, just dominating that market. Make sure you get a membership over there to keep you dialed in to the very nth degree. Again, Bama Online, Alabama's On3 site. Uh, go join in on the conversation there. All right, now, as, as everyone's going to ask here, what does the immediate future hold for Alabama? Like, we'll see who the next head coach is, and that's a very big variable. A lot of these guys now have a 30-day window to jump into the transfer portal with Nick Saban announcing his retirement. But what does that mean for 2024? Is Alabama just going to fall off? Is Alabama just going to you know descend into the, the middle class of the SEC and there's a 12-team playoff? Does that further work against Alabama? We'll talk about what we expect for Alabama right now, but make sure you subscribe right here to the On3 YouTube channel. College football every single day on this show, the hard count on this platform the author YouTube channel. So we appreciate y'all in advance for being dialed in. Now, let me just kind of put it simply. Here's my thesis on Alabama. In 2024, Alabama is going to be fine as it pertains to the immediate future. They're going to be fine. You look at what they have in-house, and I understand the portal may or may not impact the Crimson Tide as it pertains to what that roster could look like. But currently, that roster is full of nothing but top two classes from the high school level. I mean... To, to put it simply, they got dudes. They have the creme de la creme of a roster to compete at the highest level. And so let's, let's not kid ourselves. There's no better chef as it pertains to the college football head coaches than Nick Saban. There's no better chef in putting ingredients together than Nick Saban. But again, you look at the ingredients they have in their top tier, a pretty good chef can still make a decent steak if you get them the best filet mignon you've ever seen in the world. All right? So what I'm trying to say here is Alabama, I don't see a world where they just somehow fall off I also would say I don't think that we see a mass exodus through the portal now I did not say we do not see anybody transfer from Alabama but I do think that Alabama didn't just become Columbia overnight which is again a lesser football program that's in a different conference that we played against in college they didn't just become Columbia overnight because they lost Nick Saban the brand power of Alabama the resources of Alabama all the Alabama football is in large part, is what it is because of Nick Saban, but also Alabama's been Alabama for a long time here. And so what I'm trying to say here is, I think, especially if they hire the right head coach, you're going to be able to retain a fair amount of that roster because of what Alabama has to offer. So will they lose some guys? You'd have to imagine with any coaching change, you're going to lose some guys. But I, I don't think we see a world where Alabama just fades into the abyss of irrelevancy. That, to me, would be extremely surprising, especially in 2024. Now, I would also say, the best teams in college football are player-led. And what I mean by that is the coach essentially equips the players to be great leaders. But when you look at who Alabama still has on this roster, they got a lot of leaders coming back. 
Jalen Milrow, coming back, leader of this football team. Malachi Moore, leader of this football team. Caleb Downs was an all-everything true freshman for them last season. You expect him to step up in a leadership role. And what, I'm, what I mean by this is that's going to help keep stable the standards and the culture that Nick Saban helped install into this football team throughout the time of his coaching career in Tuscaloosa. Like, those, those things that he taught them, they're not just going to abandon those things. One, because it's Nick Saban. Like, you're not just going to dismiss what the GOAT had to say because he's not the head coach anymore. Other part of that is they got results. Like, what you did last season following Nick Saban's leadership and buying into what he taught won you the SEC championship and got you to the college football playoff. Regardless of how you feel about Nick Saban as a player, you know what he taught you works. You're going to stick to that, and you have guys to help keep that standard where it's supposed to be internally. So Alabama, when it comes to hiring their next head coach, can and will swing big. They can and they will swing big when it it comes to who they want to go get. And the most important part of that to me is they can make a safe hire. And I don't mean safe in the derogatory sense of, oh, well, you, you just kind of hire the safest option to try and keep it going. No, I mean, you can go and hire someone who has a track record of winning, who has a track record of great recruiting, who has a track record of phenomenal culture. Like all those things, I think, can still very much so be in place. And so I also would have to say, and, and Trey Kennedy just said this, and he's on the money, Nick Saban, you have to believe, is going to have a fair amount of say into who they bring in to be his successor. The reason why that's important, Nick Saban's not passing the keys to somebody who's not going to be able to take care of his house. He's not going to bring in somebody who just is, you know, caring about the wrong things and, and has the wrong structure or isn't ready to take the next job. Like, Nick, Nick Saban's going to make sure that they hire the right guy. And so all those things in my mind contribute to keeping the roster intact and to keeping Alabama right up there at the top tier of college football. And again, we keep saying college football is about having the right personnel, having the right talent. That's what gets you in the door. Well, Alabama's been in the door for a while here. And even if they lose some guys to the portal, by nature of who they've recruited over the last couple of years, only top two classes on campus in Tuscaloosa. So for the immediate future for Alabama, I don't expect anything different than what we've seen from them over the last couple of years. I think they'll still compete for an SEC championship. And with us going to 12 teams in the college football playoff, I'd be wildly surprised if Alabama isn't in that field when we get to it next season. Even if they don't win the SEC, I think Alabama will have a very, very real chance to be in that college football playoff. So if you're a fan of Tuscaloosa this morning, you're probably feeling a lot of emotions, probably some, uh, some sadness, some shock, probably a little bit of, uh, bit of hurt maybe, just by nature of this thing ending before you were ready for it to end. But your football team is going to be more than fine when it comes to 2024. But curious to hear from y'all again. Get at us in the live chat. We'll get to those here in a minute and want to hear from y'all. But again, I think Alabama is in very, very good shape as it pertains to the future of their program. And also, I probably should have said this as well. For Alabama, if you have success in 2024, that's going to be another key building block to the new era of Alabama football. Like results, in a lot of ways, if you manage the culture the right way, equate to more results. And I think that that will be the way that Alabama approaches things going forward here. So we've talked about the immediate future. We've talked about why Nick Saban's the go. We've talked about who's the next best fit for Alabama as it pertains to their next head coach. But here's something that I think we should do together. Who wouldn't make sense to be Alabama's next head coach? We're seeing a lot of hot boards. We're seeing a lot of names thrown out there. 
And we may end up looking back at this thing, and it may be someone who gets hired that's on this list we're about to unpack right now. But I think as you know, we're less than 24 hours away, uh, separated from Nick Saban announcing his retirement, I think we can kind of all together start to whittle down this pool as to who would be a little bit surprising if they were to be hired as the next head coach at Alabama. Now, I want to make sure we make a full disclaimer here. This is not us saying on this show that these individuals we're about to talk about could not work and be successful at Alabama. They absolutely could, but for the reasons we're about to get into, it would be surprising if they were to be hired at Alabama. And the first one is Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, you, you, you could see the reason why he would be in that conversation. Alabama alum, he coached there. He's won multiple national championships, so he's got some skins on the wall. My thing from Alabama is you have an opportunity to buy the hottest stock in college football. And I look at Dabo Sweeney's stock. If this was 2019, hire him in a heartbeat. But you look at what Clemson has been the last couple of years, and they haven't been bad by any stretch of the imagination. But you have seen a slow but sure decline and a downtrend in what they've been. And I think the major concern would be Dabo Sweeney adapting to what college football is right now. We see the refusal to really use the transfer portal. We see the issues they've had at the skill positions. And you wonder if that's a you know philosophical recruiting error. All that's to say... I think you have an opportunity to go with a more surefire thing and a more rising stock than what Dabo Sweeney has been. Again, if they hire him, more power to him. He has the resume and the track record that speaks for itself. But given the most recent sample size, it would surprise me if they were to hire him away from Clemson. Now, the next name, this is a name that gets thrown out pretty much every single coaching search, but he's always been linked to the Alabama job. Lane Kiffin. Spent time with Nick Saban as an offensive coordinator, so he's been around the process, had success at Ole Miss, having success at Ole Miss right now. He's got two top, uh, two 10-win seasons over the last three years, just won a New Year's Six Bowl. Again, the resume is there. But I think this is important for us to remember when it comes to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin thrives doing things Lane Kiffin's way, and that is not a shot at Lane Kiffin at all. But when you look at how Alabama operates, I think if you go to Alabama... As the head coach, you would do things in some way, shape, or form within the confines of how Alabama operates. Lane Kiffin's going to kind of do his thing on Twitter. He's going to attack the portal. He's going to recruit a certain way. I'm not saying he couldn't recruit well at Alabama, but I think there is potential, if you were to hire him, for this to be the most violent switch-up from the way Nick Saban does things. No nonsense. You know, going to keep it all buttoned up. He's probably not hitting the Twitter sphere too much. To Lane Kiffin, who, again, it's a loose operation. It works for him. It works for Ole Miss. But I don't see it being a stylistic fit for Alabama. So I, I would be surprised if they went with Lane Kiffin. Now, Deion Sanders, fun name to talk about now. You see him and Nick Saban doing the Aflac commercials, chopping it up. We just said we think Nick Saban's going to be pretty heavily involved as to who they do go after next. And maybe that relationship equates to Deion Sanders being talked about in Tuscaloosa. But for me, like... I want to make sure I approach this the right way. There's a lot of risk involved with Deion Sanders. Like, outside of his success at Jackson State, he has one season of a sample size to go off of at Colorado as an FBS head coach. He was 4-8. and eight. And so I think, going back to what we just said, at Alabama, you don't have to have hardly any risk with the next guy that you hire. 
I think Deion Sanders, as much as there's that boom factor for him, as much as there's the potential of what he could be as a head coach, and as much as what he would attract when it comes to the talent side of things, you would attract top-tier talent without a question if Deion Sanders is your next head coach at Alabama. But the risk involved with that, I think, would be a reason why I couldn't see this being a, a fit for Deion Sanders in Alabama. Now, if he were to have success the next couple of years and he goes on and wins a couple conference championships and then the job becomes available in a couple of years at Alabama, maybe this is a different conversation. But for me, Deion Sanders would be a little bit surprising. Now, the last name here that you're going to see on some hot boards that I think doesn't make a ton of sense is Kalen DeBoer, head coach at Washington. Went to the national championship, is a culture guy, has won pretty much everywhere he's been, has the same agent as Nick Saban and Jimmy Sexton, so wouldn't be surprised if at the very least we see Jimmy Sexton kind of hoist his name into those conversations but like I think experience in the SEC is going to be important for whoever they hire next and I don't mean experience as a head coach in the SEC I don't know if it's quite as rigid as that but I think understanding what Alabama is and under, like having an intimate knowledge of Alabama as a whole for what you're signing up for not saying Kalen DeBoer couldn't be wildly successful because I think he could but the fit to me would feel a little bit weird from Alabama I would also ask you this question if if Washington lost on the last play to Texas, is Kalen DeBoer still in consideration for this head coaching job by some people? If, if Washington were to lose in the Pac-12 championship to Oregon and they can't hold him off and they find a way to lose that game, is Kalen DeBoer still in contention for this head coaching job? What I'm trying to say is I think we're really falling in love with the one-year success that Washington had. And I'm not speaking ill of Washington. The way that Kalen DeBoer has taken that roster and, and went and got Michael Penix Jr. and all those things. It deserves a ton of credit and a ton of praise. But going back to this job, I think the risk involved with the Kalen DeBoer would be a little bit curious to me. So those are the names that I would be surprised if they were to end up being hired at Alabama. But again, we'll keep an eye on this. As soon as we get a hire, we will talk about it on this very show, on the Hard Count, the author YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a minute of it. But those are all names that would be surprising to me. Uh, hey, Trey, are there any names that I mentioned there or any other names that you think deserve consideration for, uh, for the Alabama job? You know, J.D., I love the, uh, the NFL idea here. I hmm. think that um, if there's a guy that is not maybe in those top three names, we want to call it that, the Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Norvell. I, I've heard Dan Quinn this morning. Wow. I don't know if that's, uh, that's crazy. That's probably at the bottom of their hot board right now. But uh, Mike Vrabel, relieved of his duties on Tuesday. Um, you know, in modern college football, I think you need a guy that can lead a program more than even be an X's and O's coach. Dabo Sweeney has had a lot of success at Clemson doing that. Somebody that was just in the NFL that can come to the college level knowing how to run a professional organization might be the very best thing for Alabama. Obviously, they have a lot of talent. You know, they have good coordinators. They will hire good coordinators. Somebody that can run this program, J.D., that can come over and, um, you know, take over what is essentially already an NFL uh, franchise, in a sense, with the way that things are run in Alabama, I wouldn't be shocked if that uh, is their their idea here. Um, probably one of those top three names, and uh, you know, love highlighting our, our commenters, our viewers as much as possible. We put a poll out, 588 votes. So thank you guys for getting in there and voting on that. Shouts Dan out. Lannon, 58. Yeah. percent uh, The next closest was other at 24. percent Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Marvell tied at 9%. No way. So you tell me, J.D., I don't know. That's what our, that's what our viewers think. I wonder who that other is. I wonder if there's like a 
name that the other group would agree on. So if there's another name in there that we're not mentioning that y'all feel strongly about, hey, let us know. But I think what you said is interesting, Trey. Alabama is probably as close to a professional football team from an organizational standpoint by nature of what Nick Saban is, by nature of how they're no-nonsense, the structure, all that that you can have in the collegiate ranks. And also, we are in a time in college football where we are just full throttle towards a professional model when it comes to NIL, transfer portals, free agency, essentially. Who knows if we're going to get like the SEC and the Big Ten be our AFC, NFC here in the near future. Like if you were to hire a professional coach from the NFL, that would make a lot of sense. They would be like, this is the time to do it if you're Alabama, no? It's the way it feels to me, at least. I think it is. And I think regardless, you have to hire somebody that, um, you know, you want a young coach. I think the Dan Lanning idea is awesome. Marcus Freeman, you get a guy in their 30s. But I think mm-hmm. you have to have somebody that you can trust to manage a lot of people more than even coach football here, J.D. I think coaching football is important, obviously. But in modern college football, with a program like Alabama, you know, as we transition to this new age, you need somebody that can that can structure a program. I saw uh, Jim Harbaugh on Twitter, some other names like that that are um, you know unrealistic, of course. But somebody that that has experience like that that can run a program. I think that's the the number one thing you're evaluating if you're Greg Byrne right now. That mystery box, man, is just that's going to be the most fascinating part of this whole thing to watch because I, I can't get over the fact that we had Brian Kelly go to LSU and Lincoln Riley go to USC when pretty much nobody saw either of those moves coming. We saw the whole LSU Lincoln Riley smoke for a while. Like, I wonder if it's not, I'm not saying either of those guys, but like someone that just nobody could have thought of if you gave them several weeks to guess at it. Like, I just, I wonder who would be in that mystery box category by nature of uh, how this whole coaching search is is working out. Again, when it comes to uh, everything around the idea of, um, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought because my phone's blowing up, and I'm worried that we're going to, like, miss some intel here. So, anyway. Um, I don't know what I was saying. The whole, the whole thing is wild when it comes to who could be the next guy at Alabama. I will never check my phone on air outside of this situation where I'm, like, on pins and needles. Oh, I know what I was going to say. 72 hours. That's a, that's a short timeline, Trey. That's why I'm checking my phone because usually I go do not disturb during the show. But when I see my phone buzzing and I see the X app uh, alert pop up, I'm like, I bet Alabama just hired their coach. I bet it happened on air, and I bet we got to get a lower third, like all that. So this is wild. The 72 hours, you probably feel good about the direction of it, no? If you're, if you're Greg Byrne? I think 72 hours is an interesting timeline to put on yourself there. Uh, how much do you read into the flight logs, J.D.? I know that uh, you said that that's probably smoke, but, um, you know, if you're going to make this happen in 72 hours, you obviously have to get this ball rolling probably before yesterday. Yeah, without question. And, and for that very reason, you're like, hey, if – so I'll be honest – I am not intelligent enough to know how to find flight logs. I can check Twitter, and whenever I see that, I will check it and find out. But like for the people that do know how to check flight logs, shouts to y'all. Give us a tutorial so we can all track these together. It's a lot for me, like tracking the social media follows for guys in the portal. Like we saw Dylan Gabriel start racking up the follows for Oregon when he uh, ended up committing there. Peyton Thorne's following everybody on the Auburn roster before he commits there. Like that to me is the equivalent of flight logs for head coaches. We got portal season, JD. Obviously, we have you know all kinds of seasons throughout the college football season itself. This is flight tracking season. Flight right? tracking season, baby. How about it? How about it? I'm glad that we're doing this together, Big Trey. I'm glad that you're on the show right now, well, talking talking your alma mater. This is sad hours, JD. I'm glad uh, you know you're here to to console me, and we can talk through this with the rest <laughs> of our our unbelievable audience because this is uh, this is a wild time in Tuscaloosa. Wild time, man. Wild time. What a time to be alive again. Nick Saban retiring. We got. 
a head coaching vacancy that it sounds like they've got a good idea where they're heading if you're giving yourself a timeline of 72 hours. I mean, how, how much of that 72 hours, Trey, is baked into, like, contract negotiations? Like, if we got 72 hours, is the first 48 spent on interviewing and, and making sure that we got our guy in the next however many hours is on, okay, and now we want to make sure we hire the right guy with the right price, with the right timeline. Like, 72 hours is not a long time to do anything, much less decide on the next head coach for your, your football program. So, yeah. I don't know. How much do you think this decision will be remembered uh, in the history of college football? After Bear Bryant, that decision, you know, is maybe forgettable. Uh, if you're Alabama here, if you're Greg Byrne, is this your career-defining move right here? I think it has to be, right? I think it has to be because of where Alabama football has been under Nick Saban. If they were to not be as successful as they have been, which is a ridiculous standard to uphold, but let's say Alabama falls into that category of being an 8-9 win football team over the next couple of years, which, again, would surprise me a lot. That, that would be extremely surprising. But if that does happen, we'll look back at this era of college football and say, okay, what Nick Saban was at Alabama, the next hire that they brought in there and what they weren't able to accomplish, like I think what you said is exactly true. It's, it's a Greg Byrne career-defining hire, so no pressure. But, yeah, this is, this is massive in every sense, and I think we will remember it as a fork in the road for Alabama football. So. How do you feel about oatmeal cream pies, J.D.? Ooh, well, feel good today. Feel good today about them, man. Feel good today about them. Yeah, special, uh, special delicacy, obviously, being enjoyed by the folks in Tuscaloosa. You sent me a video, I believe, what's going on in Tuscaloosa. You want, you want to share that outside the Saban uh, Let's see. Yeah, I'll get this picture in our feed here in just a moment. It almost looked like Nick Saban had passed away with the reaction in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, uh, you know, flowers being brought to the statue. Oatmeal cream pies, of course, being brought to the statue. We'll get that picture up here in a little bit. Um, but this is truly, I mean, it, you know, it feels like... Uh, like, this is a, a completely new era. And almost, I wasn't around for Bear Bryant's, uh, you know, passing, but it, it almost feels like, from what people are describing this as, it's a very similar mood right now in Tuscaloosa. It's funny that you say the term new era, because yesterday for our live show, I'm requesting the thumbnail, and we decided who we're putting on the thumbnail, obviously, before the show, based on the topics we're going to hit. And originally, we had a thumbnail that said a new era, which is still said a new era, but we had Nick Saban dead center in the middle of that thumbnail with an Alabama logo. Eventually decided to pivot because we didn't have a ton of Alabama to talk at that point in time, 24 hours ago. Now the difference 24 hours makes, we just did a whole show in Alabama and the things that that hire is going to impact. But regardless, um, wild times, absolutely wild times. Hey, let's get to some ad reads here, Trey, and then we'll hear from the people and we'll call it a show. Sound good? That sounds it. lovely. Let's do it. Well, the good news for everyone that's tuning into the show, uh, the folks at Game Time, are bringing you the hard count today. Now, if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, I would have to imagine you have had a Saturday where you want to get to the game, you check the ticket sales or, or your, your student tickets, whatever it ends up being, and you cannot find a ticket for the life of you, or you're looking at the ticket prices and saying, there is no chance in the world I am paying that much. That is way too much. There's got to be lesser tickets available, but I don't know how to find them. Game time has got you covered. Game time is the place with last minute ticket deals, lowest prices guaranteed. So if you were to find a ticket that's in like the same section or row for less than what you paid for, you're able to then credit 110% of the difference from game time. That's a game time guarantee. Also, this is a really nice feature when it comes to game time. They're able to show you the view from your seat before you even buy the ticket. So you're not going to have the situation where you show up to your seat, 
You're excited for the game. You're jacked up. You got face paint on and you show up there and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't only see like half the game because I'm standing behind this Jumbotron. Why did I buy this ticket? If I had known, I wouldn't have bought this ticket. Again, game time with the view before you buy. That will not happen to you. Also worth noting, we're pivoting out of college football season. It breaks our heart here. We're still talking about college football on the show every single day. But if you want to get to some other you know, events, maybe you want to go to a college basketball game, maybe you want to go to a concert, a comedy show, whatever it is, Game Time has got you covered with tickets on all the events can buy with two taps from your phone. So to do this in the most efficient way possible, here's what we're going to do. Snag tickets without any of the stress, can buy right before the event with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. This is important. Use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, HARDCOUNT, $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply, create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT, $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. How about Game Time taking care of the folks? Taking care of the folks, taking care of the people. And uh, another thing that takes care of the people are our friends at Axia Time. Now, as we announced last week, we have an exciting new sponsor. That is Axia Time. And Axia Time is probably the best kept secret in college football. Axia Time is the only watch company officially licensed with the college football playoff. And they created an heirloom quality, ultra custom timepieces for all the teams that are part of the 2024 college football playoff. That includes Alabama. And today I'm excited to reveal their, their, uh, their national champions design for the Michigan Wolverines. The quality, design, and attention to detail is unreal. They have also partnered with Coach Jim Harbaugh to offer a limited edition box set with his autograph. So if you're a watch person, you'll check out the specs. Quickly realize these watches are a great deal for the level of quality and detail that you're getting. If you don't know a lot about Swiss-made mechanical watches, which was me prior to getting this watch, you're you're, uh, understanding that there's a certain level of quality that comes with Axia Time. If you uh, think maybe it's, it's a little bit more expensive than you would like. You do your homework on the quality of this watch. They are a great deal. You can check them out with their national championship design at axiatime.com. That is A-X-I-A-Time.com. And our listeners and all the all that watch, use code JD100 to get $100 off any full price watch. Check them out at axiatime, A-X-I-A-Time.com, axiatime. Watches that tell so much more than just time. Again, the price point for these things, based on the quality that you're getting, absolutely phenomenal. And with that discount, you're in good shape. So, appreciate the folks at Axia Time getting us right as we move into the winter period of college football season. Not the end of college football season, the winter period of college football season. Big Trey, what do you say we get a few, uh, few of the takes from the crowd or a few of the questions from the crowd and, and we'll, uh, we'll call this thing a show? How about that? I think that sounds amazing. And the hashtag AskJD, of course, uh, is back today. Yeah, there we go. I saw a really good question here uh, earlier, and I don't want to get it wrong here. Let me find the name on it. But the question, uh, JD, what was the most surprising retirement, uh, I guess, move from a head coach in college football over the last decade? This one probably ranks there near the top, if not at it. But uh, which one has been the most surprising to you? Most surprising retirement. Trey, I'm struggling to even think of any that are comparable to this. Is there any that comes to your mind that's even in this same category? Bobby Bowden was impactful, but not surprising. Um, I can't even think of another that compares to this, to be honest with you. Any moves that are up there for you, J.D.? I guess firings, you know, Wayne Kiffin in the middle of the night. That's a good good one. I mean, Lincoln Riley to, to USC, I think, was as shocked as I've ever been. I remember I was sitting in traffic 
check my phone and, and stop start traffic. I might have even been in California at the time. And I see that Lincoln Rally took the job at USC and my jaw just dropped. I thought it was one of those deep fakes. I thought it was one of those, you know, uh, what if scenarios put out on Twitter. And then I realized it was from an official account. So that to me might be the most surprising move I've seen in all of college football. You got one for us? I think yesterday. I mean, this was something that, uh, as mentioned earlier, this was going to happen here soon. I think by 2030, of course. But yesterday was not the timing that, uh, that I think anybody pictured, even the team from what we've heard. Um, wild one. We have one from FI Up Arrow. CK mm. is his name on YouTube. Uh, hashtag Ask JD. If Lanning leaves, is he, in quotes, rooted in substance? Or was he coaching for clicks and likes? You know, this is a, this is a wild, this is a wild uh, situation if you're an Oregon fan. Because I think each of your last head coaches have loved being in Eugene, have loved Oregon, have had no desire to leave except for one possible scenario. Willie Taggart, I think he was dialed into Oregon, but Florida State was like his one job where it's like, hey, this is kind of my dream. This is where I, I think I would like to be. Pivots for that. Mario Cristobal, same deal. Like, grew up in Miami, went to Miami, loved Oregon, thought he was all about Oregon. They lobbied for him to be the internal hire at Oregon. And then he's like, hey, listen, it's about going back home for me. There's like the, the internal heartstrings being tugged at to where he stays. And then you got Dan Lanning, who, if he were to leave, this would be the only job that I think he would leave for. Like, it was a G at Alabama at one point in time. Alabama's a ready-made situation. He said many times about how he loves Oregon. But if he leaves for Alabama, it's like, man, that's probably the one spot that could have taken them away from Eugene. So we'll see what happens here going forward. We'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But if he doesn't leave, I think you got a guy who is locked in for good at Oregon. So that's how we feel about that, Big Trey. We got a has, uh, hashtag AskJD from Cody Wynn. Uh, how do you feel about Philip, Philip Fulmer as Alabama's new head coach? Very dynamic and an interesting pick. Uh, that wouldn't be a lot of fun. Uh, but real quick, a little bit more on Lane here, J.D. Do you think he got a call? Our guy OG Gary asks, what about Lane? Thoughts on that? Do you think he even got a call from Alabama? Hmm. That's a very good question. I think you probably give him a call. I think you probably give him a get, get, give him a quick call. Hey, this is kind of going. I don't mean to dismiss that question at all, but we're seeing. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing some stuff here on the Twitter sphere. I'm seeing reports here that Dan Lanning. Okay, this is breaking. Oh right my now. goodness! Hey, let's just do this segment right now. Yes, let's do this segment right now. Dan Lanning has announced he is remaining at Oregon. If you're an Oregon fan, this better fire you up, man. This better get you absolutely juiced because, to be honest, this was the one guy that, if I'm an Alabama fan, I wanted to be my next head coach. Dog of a recruiter. A guy who's pushed this brand to not, not just be where they were previously, but I think even surpassing that. The style of football they're playing, building in the trenches. I told you, dog of a recruiter, two top 10 classes his last couple of seasons at Oregon in a place where you have to really go and find top talent to be able to get them to be at Eugene, meaning like you got to take a lot of PJs, you got to be on the phone because you're not probably finding that top talent in your backyard. No disrespect to the state of Oregon, but you got to go to the Southeast, you got to go to California, you got to go to Texas. And Dan Lanning, the way that he's built that program, the culture and standards and character he's installed there, I think it's second to none in college football. And here's probably the biggest part of this of an Oregon fan. You've seen guys that have been your head coach love Oregon, love what Oregon's about. And then... At the 11th hour, it just so happens that their dream job became available. Willie Taggart, 
had success at Oregon. Florida State comes knocking, and he's like, hey, y'all, sorry. I love Florida State. This is the only spot I would have left for. They want me. I'm going. Mario Cristobal, same deal. He loved Oregon. Players lobbied for him to be the next head coach there. But the guy grew up in Miami. He went to Miami. So eventually, Miami comes knocking, and he says, listen, y'all, it's a personal thing. It's a heart thing for me. I love Oregon, but I got to go back home. For Dan Lanning, the thought for me in the back of my head was like, man, this was always the one job that probably made you a little bit nervous if you were an Oregon fan that he would leave for. And so here's my ultimate feel on this. If you're not leaving for the Alabama job with the place that it's at right now with multiple top two classes on the roster, with the resources, with the brand power, Dan Lanning, I believe, is in a lot of ways wired like an SEC guy in terms of how competitive he is on the recruiting trail and the way that he cares about the trenches. If you're not leaving for the Alabama job right now, I don't know what job you would leave for if you're Dan Lanning. To put it simply, Oregon, I think you have your guy for the foreseeable future. Not just the next couple of years, not just the next five years. Like He, I think, very clearly could be the next guy for you until he decides to retire. And he said that a lot, and he's kind of made that a, a known thing. But, I mean, it's, it's all lip service until it actually happens, right? Dan Lanning shutting down the rumors that he could be the next guy at Alabama. I think Oregon has got their program guy here for a very, very long time. So another thing about this now the way this is going to bolster Oregon in the future, if I'm a recruit and I see Dan Lanning say no to the Alabama job, he's serious about what he's building there. I'm not worried about him eventually taking their job in the future. So on the recruiting trail, anyone that could negatively recruit against Oregon and say, ah, are you sure you want to go play for him? He's kind of a hot name on a lot of these different, you know, hot boards, a lot of these different openings. He always comes up. Are you sure he's going to want to leave? You think he's ending up in those conversations on accident? This is the, the situation you can take if you're, an Oregon recruit or an Oregon fan and just kind of mic drop on that whole situation. So Dan Lanning has announced his remaining at Oregon. This happened live while we were on the air. I love this. I love that you have a guy who is bought in to a school. Clearly the school is bought into him. Oregon moving to the Big Ten probably played a major factor in him staying at Oregon. Have to believe that. But if you're Oregon, man, you got to kind of puff out your chest a little bit today and say, all right, yeah, we had a couple of uh, tough breaks with head coaches we had in the past, but this is a dude who is as bought into us as we are bought into him. Dan Lanning, proven once again, through and through, he's a program guy. Tell, I'll tell you this too, I would play for him tomorrow by nature of how he communicates with his team, by nature of how he just has that competitive fire to him when he talks. I think his team buys into that. Like Oregon's going to be a tough out here for a long, long time because of the fact that Dan Lanning, I believe, will be there for a long, long time. If you're saying no to Bama right now, I don't know who you're saying yes to in the near future. Again, I'm not saying that Bama offered him a job or that Bama wanted to bring him in for an interview or any of that, but you had to believe he was probably the top guy, if not for Alabama, for a lot of Alabama fans, to be the next guy in Tuscaloosa. Dan Lanning is staying in Eugene. That's absolutely massive. How about that? Immediate thoughts right now for you. Immediate thoughts for you right now, Trey, because this was a guy that I think any college football fan that has an opening at their head coaching position, if you could swing for Dan Lanning, you probably want him to be your next head coach. Fair? Fair? Number one name on the hot board. No questions asked. And, you know, our, our fans, our viewers voted the same way in our poll here. That was the name we heard first. That was the name we heard the most. Those were the flight logs that were being tracked to Eugene. Look at the future of the Big Ten, J.D. I mean, a lot's going to change before the start of next season. But right now, you have Jim Harbaugh. You have Ryan Day. You have James Franklin at the pillars of that conference. But I think... If you're a, a fan of the Big Ten, you probably feel the most secure about Dan Lanning uh, as a head coach moving forward here. This is 
a sign that I think, like you said, J.D., he is going to be at Oregon for a really, really long time here. And a really good point in our comment section as well here uh, just a minute ago from Citizen X3639, five years ago, without the transfer portal, without new college football, without NIL, Nike coming in. I don't know if, if Dan Lanning is still at Oregon. I think maybe he does make that move to the SEC, to the Southeast, to an Alabama. Modern college football has allowed Oregon to maybe have an easier path to success, mm. a move to the Big Ten, all these things, uh, you know, so much forward momentum for Oregon. I think that's what you probably have to point to of why he stays at Oregon here. Uh, but looking to the future now, uh, you know, put the Big Ten on notice, is Oregon maybe going to be, um, you know, your year in and year out top dog uh, you know, or one of several there uh, at the top of the new Big Ten. They're at least in that conversation. They're at least in that top tier without question. And like you just said, it is wild to think that the guy that we feel most confident about being a head coach in the Big Ten in that top tier next season is Dan Lanning. Like Ryan Day, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but there's, there's obvious, like, frustration with the way these last couple of years have gone. Jim Harbaugh, his name being in NFL circles pretty much all the time, and even more so now after winning a national championship, like, yeah, Oregon's going to be a big dog for a while. One more point on this. I think this speaks volumes yet again to the resources that Oregon has in-house and the resources they are equipping Dan Lanning with. Because we know this now. Coaches don't stay places. They don't feel like they have all that they need to win. By nature of how they've crushed in the portal, how they've crushed in the recruiting trail, and Dan Lanning saying no to Alabama, in theory at least, yet again speaks to the way that Oregon is very, very serious about winning national championships in Eugene. Trey, that feels like a great place to end it. What do you say? I think uh, I think that is a, a great way to end it here, JD. Just one more for you, I love uh, it because I don't think we'd be doing our, our full due diligence if didn't ask. Uh, I seen love it, it a I few times, it. probably unserious, probably not considering it. There's no way Kirby Smart got a phone call from the University of Alabama, right? <sighs> That's a great question, and I honestly I have a lot of feelings on that. That to me last night was like the one name who would not go to Alabama. I still think there is a 0% chance he goes to Alabama. Now, with that being said, if you're Alabama and you have the resources and you have the brand power and, and like, you know, you're doing your due diligence and finding the very best next head coach, if you're Kirby Smart, maybe you go to Alabama and surpass what Nick Saban's done there? Am I crazy? I think you at least call him. I think you call him. He's going to say no. It's a quick conversation. But if you're Alabama, it feels like malpractice not at least shoot him a text right shoot him a text again i think a zero percent chance it happens but you gotta at least shoot him a text gotta shoot him a text right agreed agreed i'm with you uh who is now your top name jd as we wrap it up here that's a tremendous question man i really think that steve sarkeesian is fascinating i think dan Lanning was probably your top choice i think steve sarkeesian with the ties that he has and again i i wonder what the allegiance to saban here plays in terms of him taking that job now i'm not saying he owes nick saban like you know, some sort of debt, so he has to go take the head coaching job. That's not what I'm saying, but I do think the fact that he understands what they have been at Alabama, understands the process, I think Alabama should make a real run at him, and we'll see if that ends up being anything, but I think it's worth worth keeping an eye on. So, of course, we will here on this very show, The Hard Count. Trey, before we get out of here, your top name for the head coaching vacancy at your alma mater in Tuscaloosa. I'm with you, J.D. I think Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you are doing everything in your power to, uh, you know, make that a serious offer. 
Um, it would make so much sense. I, I agree. I don't think Lane makes sense. I don't think Dabo makes sense. I think Mike Norvell is probably next up there. If mm. you can make an offer that's appealing enough to him, yep. but you got to think about it at the same time, JD, too. You don't want to necessarily be the guy that replaces Nick Saban. So that's a whole other added layer to, uh, you know, to, to what goes down here. I don't think we see anything in-house. I don't think we see anything from the NFL. I think it's going to be a college guy. Uh, and I think right now, if you're Alabama, you're doing whatever it takes to make Steve Sarkeesian a serious offer. Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Norvell, Marcus Freeman, my top three. Trey, appreciate you, brother, jumping in here. You slept in the airport two nights ago. I'm sure you didn't sleep much more because we were leaving the office. And then you call me and I see the alert from uh, on three on my phone. Hey, Nick Saban just retired. You turn it. We're back in the studio moments later. So appreciate all you've done, brother. Appreciate you crushing it, uh, not just today, but the entirety of this season. And uh, what do you say? We'll run it back again here in the very near future. No doubt, J.D. Thank you for everything, as always. Thank you to our fans for tuning in and being so active today. we got 925 mm. votes on our poll, so big shout-out to everybody, as always. Absolutely massive. Hey, appreciate y'all being tuned in. We will have content for you throughout the rest of tomorrow, throughout the rest of the weekend, throughout Monday. Tuesday morning, we'll be back live on the air. Heck, maybe we'll be live again before that if Alabama makes a hire before then. But regardless, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here on this show, The Hard Count. For me, Jody Pacquiao, for Trey Yanny, the rest of us here at On3, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time.